The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome back to another episode of The Commentary Booth, uh, where we watch, and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I know, I'm not your regular host. This is the American Takeover Edition. Yeah, that's right. It's my episode. I'm, I'm coming in hot. Watch out, guys. I am joined today by your normal host, Jamie Apps. I'm Karina Maybe, and this is going to be one hell of a ride, so buckle up and get ready. Jamie, go ahead with your normal intro of yourself, because that's what's happening. I don't really have a normal intro for myself. Well, you're going to have one now. His favorite movie is Superbad, and his favorite TV show is South Park. Yeah, I know. Big surprise there, folks. It's okay. Don't worry. It explains so much. <laughs> They're great. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. There's a difference between the best movie and my favorite movie. Oh, okay. We'll get into that on a different time, you know, <laughs> clearly. Before we get started on our fantastic uh, improv episode, because that's pretty much what's going to happen this time around, we want to take a moment to remind everybody that Perry Magazine is definitely standing by in solidarity with the SAG-AFTRA um, and their fight for better working conditions. Our publication has always been focused on the creative brilliance of these individuals rather than on the business of film and TV. As such, we will continue to highlight their creative talents during this time so that their contributions to our entertainment are not overlooked. Because let's face it, where will we be without actors and writers? We wouldn't be on this show, that's for sure. Damn fucking straight. <laughs> So, this week, I took it upon myself to tell Jamie that I wanted my own episode of all things spooky. Now, this episode will air long after Halloween, and I get it, but it's Halloween year-round in my life. Why not? It's not that long after. It's only like a week. Well, some people already have Christmas decorations up. I know a couple. Don't worry. Um, It's cool. Whatever. Krampus is a thing. Not looking at you. Definitely not looking at you. <laughs> I've had my Christmas tree up. I've had my Christmas tree up all year. It is my holiday tree. It was decorated for Halloween and it's going to stay in fall season now until at least Thanksgiving day when my mom tells me that I need to change it. So keeping my spooky spirit alive, we are diving into the Netflix series, The Fall of the House of Usher. This is a new series from Mike Flanagan, who is well known for doing The Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, Midnight Club, Midnight Mass tons of shit <laughs> um, and this one is just as amazing as all of his other works that he's put out so I've got my pumpkin beer ready yeah buddy let's get into it Jamie first reactions on this series that I made you watch but you didn't finish as fast as me <laughs> I oh, yeah that's because you finished it in like a day and a half that's yeah that's cheating <laughs> I had shit to do I do too <laughs> I work I'm a mom. Except you had the entire weekend. I didn't have that weekend to watch it, so I had to watch episode by episode each night. Whoops. But yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was, for me, it was kind of a return to form for Flanagan. Okay. I wasn't the biggest fan of Blind Manor and Midnight Mass. I liked the Midnight Club, but it kind of fell off a bit towards the end. It kind of just didn't have the legs for the full season. But Hill House is my top one, and then I would put... 
House of Usher, probably second. Okay, okay. But also, also a note, is it just me or are there too many words in the title of this show? Blame, blame the late, great Edgar Allan Poe for that. You cannot change history. I'm sorry. It is just the fucking rules. Okay? It's just like there's an extra the in there that doesn't need to be in there. Again, go back to the 18th century and talk to the writer. Okay? Okay. Source material. You and I are a little bit different um, when it comes to Flanagan. I do feel that this was a callback to like his origins of writing style and production styles. I actually didn't like um, Midnight Club, and I was not a big fan of Bly Manor as well, but I loved Midnight Mass and Hill House. I know, I know, I know. It's weird. I'm not religious enough for Midnight Mass to have connected with me. I was like, okay. I loved it. It's clearly a Catholic allegory, but it's not doing it for me. I don't know. There were parts of it that I just, it was wonderful. But for me, I think Usher might have topped Hill House for me, which is really big because Hill House was one of my favorite series. I know, I know. It's one of my favorite series ever that's been put out on Netflix. But I love writings of Edgar Allan Poe. So the fact that they were, and I also have like an obsession with the 1960s film with Vincent Price of The Fall of the House of Usher, which you didn't know was a thing. So yeah, this... (laughs) This was one of my favorite adaptations. I've been waiting for this for forever, and I was not disappointed at all. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It, did, it wasn't anywhere near as spooky as Hill House. No. Like, of all his series, I think Hill House is probably the scariest. Yeah, Hill House is definitely scary. This is more like a psychological, and to be fair, they really emphasized a lot of the deaths in this and kind of steered away from some of the original things. Um but I loved it. I liked the ideas behind everything um, and the characters that they decided to pop in there really worked well with the whole like family loom and doom and grew like stuff, you know, the curse essentially almost of the family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was great. I said it wasn't like as scary as Hill House, but it's definitely got like scary moments. And I kind of got, like, I haven't watched much succession. I've watched bits and pieces, like just little clips. Mm-hmm. It's like spooky succession. Okay. I've never watched Succession. Everyone tells me it's okay, so. Yeah, it's like a like a business empire being taken over by the kids, and it's like, I got that sort of vibe from it. I got a lot of the um, opioid epidemic shows. Oh, yes. That there seemed to be a bunch of those. Like, I got lots of hints of that. Mm-hmm. I think this is the fastest paced Flanagan show, too. Like, a lot of the others, it really took a long time for stuff to start to happen. Like, it was a lot of getting to know the characters, building up the tension, and then in the last, like, three or four episodes, everything happened. Yeah. This one, you kind of, it was kind of like a series of short stories. Yeah. So each episode was a story contained within itself that all built to the bigger story, which I, I enjoyed. I think that's what made this one so easy to, like... Keep watching. Go through each episode by episode. It was not like, uh, nothing seems to have happened for three or four episodes. Like, what's going on? It was like, every episode, there was something big happening. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, so I was reading that... Um, The idea of introducing the Usher children, which I really like this idea because much different from the movie, the movie just uh, focuses on the brother and the sister, Roderick and Madeline. It doesn't involve any additional family members or anything like that. So I like that they were able to turn this into a miniseries and they gave an episode to each child dying or each family member dying, which was fantastic. And so I like the fact that you really did get like that kind of like 
gore effect slash like, you know, what the fuck's going to happen next kind of moments. And it didn't just kind of like linger. I don't I don't feel like any any episodes honestly lingered for me. I feel like they were really well paced and everything was well thought out in them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck. I don't know what to do with myself right now. This is very strange. The <laughs> fact that you told I was all gun ho about this and now I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm rambling. So if if you had to rank the other Flanagan shows, what would you put them as? Honestly, for me, it's going to be Usher, Hill House, Midnight Mass, and then Midnight Club and Blind Manor. Wow. I can see that. It's not a scary story at all. It's it's a love story. It's very different. Yeah. And my problem with it is like, it was such a great start with Hill House. And then everyone was like, oh, there's going to be a sequel to uh, Hill House, this, this, and that. And they released Bly Manor. I went into it thinking it was like a direct kind of sequel connection to, to Hill House. And it was not at all. So I was very disappointed. I think I think that's because of the naming. Yeah. If they had like totally changed up the name, I don't think people would have had that that assumption going in because mm-hmm. it, it's basically the same name. It's just a different house. So yeah, I think a lot of people went into it being like, okay, it's going to be another like spooky family story just in a different house. Mm-hmm. And then it was a love story and I was like, what the, f- what the fuck is this? Yeah. And this I, isn't what I signed up for. Right. And then on top of that, like Flanagan loves to reuse the same cast and everything. You can see there's definitely a huge fucking pattern. I love it. <laughs> that definitely contributes to the whole like, Oh, this is just a sequel. Yeah. And on top of that, like, also, I was getting confused in Bly Manor with, I was mixing it up with Hill House, like the characters from each one. I kept intertwining them. Because they were quite close together, weren't they? They were. They were not super spread out. They were pretty close in release. So I was kind of like, oh, wait, hold on. No, that, that didn't happen in this one. It happened in this. And so it was very strange for me. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that he went back to this kind of stuff because this is what I think Flanagan really, this is where I think he shines is when he does like, you know, psychological kind of thrilling, not necessarily jump scares in this one, but he is known for kind of putting you on the edge and wondering what the hell is going to happen. Like, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. There were a few like random jump bits. Oh, shit. Most of it was just like just building up and then you'd see a creepy face in the background. It wasn't like trying to jump out and terrify you. It was like, okay, that's suspect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved all the characters in this show. I guess, I don't know what you want. What do you want to dive into first? Like character shenanigans or like episode stuff? What do you want to do? <laughs> You're the host. That's on you. Fuck me. God damn it. All right. So we'll just go in a little. <sighs> <laughs> See, it's not as easy when you're on this side, is it? God damn it. I don't like this. No. Um, so I guess we'll just mix it all up and fuck it. Call it a day because I am scatterbrained as shit. So in episode one, so a real quick side note, every episode in this show is named after a Poe short story, except for the first episode. First episode is a line from The Raven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the lead character in this show, whose name is Verna, who is death, is an uh, anagram for Raven. And I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it to death. This sets the tone for pretty much the whole shebang. You get a backstory of, well, somewhat of a backstory of what's going on. You start out with death and funerals and shit like that. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of just like, what's going on? Why are, why is everybody dead? <laughs> so it was, it was kind of fun to start out that way. There's a few like references to the Edgar Allan Poe Raven story as well. Like, mm-hmm. There's a shot in that first episode where we see the Raven sitting on 
bust mm-hmm. of a character, and I can't remember what the person what the I think it's supposed to be Athena. I think it's Athena, but I'm not really sure. I can't remember. It's it's the bust of a character that's listed in the the short story or the poem, whatever it is. It's like yeah, it's a direct visual representation of that line in the story. It's like okay, cool. Mm. Uh, yeah, the Verna. It was like a bunch, and you see the Raven constantly as well, like just randomly popping up. Like yep, it's clearly. Edgar Allan Poe reworked into a new setting. Yes. I loved it. Um, it was a great it was a great start for this thing. I unfortunately did not write down every episode name because I ran out of time today to do all of this shit. Um, however, <laughs> um, I will say that yeah, I, I was hooked from the very first episode. Um, I knew it was gonna be solid. When I saw everybody kind of coming together, I go, Oh yeah, no, that person definitely fits their character. Like they look great. They look awesome, this, this, and that. So I didn't really have any complaints. I did write down how the kids died and what order everybody died. Because <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. I'm twisted like that. Well, that's kind of the main main elements of the whole story. Yeah. How, how each person dies and the order and stuff like that and how that all builds into you questioning. Because they talk about like illegitimate children throughout it. It's like the big thing I had towards the end was like, is the granddaughter actually an Usher granddaughter? Like I was very questioning of that. There was so much mystery. Um, you know, you don't really get a feel for who's legit and who's illegitimate until they're all kind of like sitting around, like talking about each other, t- talking mad shit about each other. And they're just kind of bickering. <laughs> and you can definitely see like the differences between each of them having their own personality and each of the illegitimate ones trying to get ahead of all their other siblings to show that they're better and that they deserve, you know, to reign supreme essentially um, in the family. Yeah, because like, with the granddaughter, she's the dad is an usher, but the mum isn't. So mm-hmm. like, I was very much like, oh, she's going to be the only one that survives, and we're gonna. That's how we're going to learn that she's not actually an usher. Like she's yeah, just the daughter of the mother who then had an affair or something. Right, because that's a a trend in this family is all the fucking affairs. Good lord. Um. <laughs> Particularly who? Which ones was it? The one married to William. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's weird. That's a, it's Tamerlan. Tamerlan is fucking strange as shit. That woman, like, she gets off on watching her husband take other people to dinner in their house. And a bit more than that as well, but. And a bit more. It's, it's fucking weird. It's the strangest shit ever. The lady who is married to Frederick, the eldest child and the only legitimate son. <laughs> <sighs> She's a, a bit She's got a lot to deal with. Goes to, uh, was it Leo's party? No, it's Perry's party. It's Perry's party. And we love the name of this, the Cuddle Puddle. I remember telling you this second episode is gonna slap and you're gonna love it. It's either the second or the end of the first, but I think it's the second. Yeah, I remember being like, oh, you'll know when it happens. <laughs> and uh, yeah, did not disappoint, right? Yeah, that's a that's a description of that party. That's for sure. Dude, let me tell you, that was probably the most genius name ever. Kind of graphic. But quickly we realized that not everybody in this show is going to die <laughs> because she did not. She's not an usher, so she didn't die. Yes, she did. She's a burn victim. No, she didn't. She's the burn victim from that party. Oh, uh, yeah, she didn't die. She just got... She just got, like, mutilated by acid rain. <laughs> Mega fucked up by acid. Yeah, by acid rain. And then her husband... Frederick the dick. Tried to kill her multiple times. Yeah, multiple times. Ass. God, I hate him. My favorite part of his whole situation was 
trying to unlock her face ID on the phone after her face was melted off with acid. Like, <laughs> that's not how face ID works, bro. <laughs> like, let me unbandage you a little bit. It'll still recognize your... Nope, you don't have a nose anymore. No, she doesn't have a face anymore, you dickhead. It was so golden. So golden. And then and then he tried to like use her fingerprint to him. Like, bro, she doesn't have fingerprints <laughs> left either. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're lucky she's even you need breathing. need the password, dumbass. You're lucky she's breathing. Verna, the character Verna is so versatile in this in this episode too. She's just like very sultry and like kind of trying to like, you know persuade perry to like you know go off the rails essentially and definitely do this and set off the fire sprinklers even though someone said don't do it this this and that shit that character throughout the entire show is just fucking amazing (laughs) like so diabolical my one like issue with this episode is isn't that the start when they're like scoping out the building like okay is this gonna work for what we want Mm -hmm. doesn't one of them get dripped on by the sprinkler system i think so yeah and there's like a and little bit fine. of like, pss, well, there's like a little, pss, but I don't think it penetrated them or something, or maybe it just didn't land on skin. I don't know. Yeah. And I just remember, I remember like at the end of it, I was being like, wait a second, didn't that drip on one of them? And they were like, they didn't go, ah, what the hell? Yeah. It was crazy. They're just like, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Who knew acid buckets on the top of the fucking roof that weren't supposed to be there because side note, they do some shady shit in this company. Yeah. Oh mate. What's his name? What one? Father. Oh, Roderick. Father that. Not, no, not that father. Oh, Frederick. Yeah. Frederick. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a dick. One. He's a dick. He deserved to die, and he does, and it's great. Moving moving right along to, um, so everybody is trying to find out who the mole is in the family, who's reporting to who, this, this, and that, and they all start suspecting each other. We never find that out, do we? Who the mole was? No. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. I didn't think so. No, I don't think so. Was there even one? I don't know. I honestly, I really think it was Arthur. I think it was Arthur who just wanted to like see everything kind of just like go to hell because <laughs> he was done with the family, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Arthur Pym is like the best lawyer in the world and he's played by Mark Hamill, which I also was not 100% expecting. Like I, I heard rumors, but I did not expect him to play that kind of a role. And it was wonderful, too. I think he was probably the standout. Yeah, because he was just so quiet. Because it was so diff, it was so different to what you would expect from Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ain't that ain't. Yeah, that's not th- that's not Luke. <laughs> like, who's this guy? <laughs> where's my Jedi? Um. So yeah, um, I liked his character this is a blue lot. Milk. <laughs> gross. <laughs> Stuff is so gross. It's fine for like one sip, and then you're like, I don't want any more. That's enough. Yeah, we struggled to finish that blue milk. <laughs> Arthur Pym is a great character, and. They go into his backstory later on in this show, which is actually the backstory taken from the novel, which is the only novel written by Edgar Allan Poe, which is Arthur Pym's adventure book. I forget what the full title of it is. But yeah, that's that was a fun little like thing that they threw into one of those episodes about his backstory and his adventures, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, never found out who the mole was, but they are all trying to figure it out and trying to get ahead and kind of report back to dad. And in doing so, they end up like fucking each other over. And it's great. Yeah, like I, I just got the sense that maybe there wasn't one and that was just like the lawyers because he's not dumb enough to say that in court. No. Without having explained that to the defense. Right. So I feel like it was a thing that he just said in front of everyone to like throw the cat amongst the pigeons and be like, here you go. Boop, boop. Have fun. The, the goose chase. And watch them, yeah, let's like disintegrate because they're all freaking out over it because he knows they're all like 
super self-centered. Yeah. And in doing so, like fulfilled kind of like the Usher demise that was prophesized anyway, when they decided to do some shady shit back in the day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Cammy, Camille, she's the like kind of stuck up bitch, but she does good at her job. She also has a very weird relationship again with the weird relationship shit. Oh, with assistance? With her two assistants. When we say this family has issues, this family has issues. Yeah, she's really janky and uh, kind of weird and then makes it even more awkward when, when her assistants are like, we want to be together. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. That's a weird situation. She dies in a great way, getting mauled to death by a goddamn monkey. That was intense and so good. It could have been worse. They didn't sh- really show much. No, but the bloodbath afterwards on the floor when they discovered her body was pretty dope. Yeah. And I think they probably didn't show much because imagine how much that would have cost. Oh my God. Yeah. That would have been a She-Hulk $200 million episode. It would have been worth it, honestly, because the show was better than She-Hulk, but that's just my opinion. Don't come at me. I just can't believe She-Hulk was costing them $200 million an episode. What are you doing? Why? Why? Because they had to CGI a whole lady giant and green. I know. They could have just put her in a bodysuit. I think they did, but then they still have to create the, the actual character to go over her suit. I think they over budgeted that that show for what it made personally. Yeah, that's a character like the Hulk that you save for a movie, not for a show. Because right? it's too expensive to do as a TV show. Netflix has learned that the hard way by canceling a bunch of good shows because the budget is too high. But Disney's like, hey, we have Disney money. <laughs> Let's throw it all away. Yeah. This this episode has gone off the rails, Jamie. We are all over the fucking place <laughs> and it's fucking wonderful. <laughs> it's like this episode is like a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> like your brain. You're pretty much, pretty much like my brain. Um, moving on to um, Napoleon, a.k.a. Leo, the son. My favorite character. He honestly, he was actually probably one of the better kids out of all of them. I will say. He was pretty normal until he lost the plot. Dude. And understandably, because everyone in his family is dying in really graphic, gruesome ways within days of each other. Yes. And he just loses his shit over this cat. His secret partner's cat. To be fair, that cat was a cunt. It it really was. But like, uh, he's trying to hide his relationship from his family. No, you can't come over to to have dinner with my family. I'm sorry, honey. Don't worry about it. I'm having secret affairs with women in the apartment while you're not here. (laughs) Your cat is definitely here. It's right here. See, your cat, smile. <laughs> like, not your cat. Yeah, your cat, this fucking replacement cat is delivering dead animals to the bed. Like, ew. Yeah, asshole. I think the best thing was watching him just tear apart this entire, like, loft apartment. Like, this really bougie-looking apartment, too. And just, like, blowing holes in it. With Mjolnir using Thor's hammer to destroy his own house. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a prop. I don't think that's a metal hammer. How are you smashing through the wall? I'm pretty sure that's plastic or styrofoam. I'm like, oh man, this guy really has lost it. And then he just goes flying off the balcony after the cat. That's not the cat. No, it's (laughs) not not real. It's not even real. That cat ain't there. Nope. So he went kasplat. (laughs) That was good. That episode is probably the one that has the most scary shit. Mm -hmm. Because that cat is freaky deaky at times. That cat was really concerning. And then Werner like, is like doing lots of jump scares to him at that moment as well, where he's chasing the cat down and then the next thing is like, scary face. And like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then that's really where Roderick and Madeline kind of put things together because that's the first picture, I believe, that they get of her, like evidence of her on top of like the security footage from Victorine's uh, lab where Cammy got killed. 
But like, that's where they really put the pieces together. Like, oh shit, we know her. That's not possible. How do we know her <laughs> kind of moment? Speaking of the security footage, enhance. <laughs> that, that's that's not a thing. It's like, but they do it on TV. Yeah, it's, it's TV. That, that's not a thing. <laughs> so good. Also, for a crazy expensive like medical research place, surely they have just 4K cameras, not... Grainy ass cameras? Shitty 240p security cameras. Like, what are you doing? I was saying, like, that looked like video cam footage from, like, a parking garage in, like, the boonies or something, like, the ghetto-ass parking garage. Yeah, mate, go down to JB Hi-Fi and get some 4K ring cameras. What are you doing? Oh, my God. It was it was rough footage to watch. <laughs> like, how, how do you do that? Roderick's like, zoom in, now enhance. Like, that's, no, we don't, we can't do that. That's not how, it's not how video footage works. This is as good as it's going to get, folks. It's not CSI. All right, so heading over to Victorine, who this is by far my one of my favorite like kind of killing sequences. So uh, Victorine's partner, I guess I don't know if they're married. I can't remember if they're married. I think they might be. Threatens to uh, out her about her unethical ways of doing things in the lab to get ahead with her uh, heart. Device. Yes, device. Thank you. I was I was like, do 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 I felt like Yeah, it's kind of like a pacemaker, but it's like crazy advanced pacemaker. It's a sleeve kind of thing. Yeah, it's like s- super advanced pacemaker that like, yeah, like it regulates your heart and then it also does other shit. Weird that I, shit. It's like, I don't think that's, no, that's not really how that would work, but okay. No, and so, yeah. It's like AI pacemakers. Like, what are you talking it about? It was strange. So yeah, her partner in crime, or her partner in life does not agree with that. And she kills her, but nobody knows that she actually died. She just like... Beats her over the head with like a statue, doesn't she? She throws it at her as she's leaving the door. She like whacks this thing across the house and like hits her in the head. And then... I, I kind of got the vibe she was trying to just like hit the wall or the door and it's just yeah, a shit and shot and accident. actually clobbered her. Like, yeah. Oh. And then the fact that she was getting driven mad by the sound of the heart with, from the telltale heart is what that referenced. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first moment where I was like, wait, these are all Edgar Allan posters. Yeah. And it was so, it was so well done. Because that one's like the most iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so well done. And the fact that like she finally like figures it out and then her dad comes over to the house and like she just like... There's your dead girlfriend with her heart just cut open. She's dead. What do you know? What do you know? She's clearly dead. <laughs> just because the heart's beating don't mean she's alive. Yeah, no. That was like probably one of the most graphic like sequences too because they don't really like show a ton of like blood and guts and shit like that, but that was pretty full on. I don't know. They showed the lady's face melting off. Eh, cuddle puddles. No big deal. <laughs> It turned into a puddle at the end, that's for sure. Yeah, that, that lady's death is easily the most graphic. Like, burst open chest. Like, holy Jesus. I felt bad for her because she wasn't even an usher. She literally died by, like, you know, wrong place, wrong time kind of moment. <laughs> like Domestic abuse. Guilty by association kind of thing. And then, like, obviously, Victorine just kills herself because she can't handle it anymore. And I think that's where, like, Roderick starts really, like, losing his shit. Is, like, when his third kid dies, or fourth kid, I'm sorry, dies within, like, Two weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's just like we're gonna get tired of burying people at this point. <laughs> like, and then his like weird dementia esque condition starts to really ramp up at that point too. Yeah, absolutely. And this whole time, keep in mind this whole time that he's telling this story to the attorney, like the state attorney who's prosecuting the family. So I can't imagine like 
being that character and just listening to this wild shit about this guy telling me I killed all my family and this is how I did it, but they really killed themselves or like died because of unnatural causes. Or On that front, I wasn't the biggest fan of like the parallel story, different timeline thing. Yeah, because there's three timelines. Yeah, at times it like muddies it a bit. Like, ooh. It does, yeah. You have to really think about it because they have the timeline. Actually, there's more than, well, there's kind of like three, I guess. There's like the time prior to their, you know, success. Yeah, there's the the young Roderick and Madeline. Right, who witnessed their mom. Yeah, who witnessed their mom go after her lover. And then there's the, the deaths timeline where mm-hmm. we're going back and seeing each death. Mm-hmm. And then there's the current timeline. But then there's the interview timeline as well. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's a bit. At times you're like, what's going on? Like this. Yeah, it can get pretty messy. It's clear which one is which, but it's also like a little bit messy. Yeah, because it's not, there are certain episodes where it's not like a clear transition from one timeline to the next. It just starts you in the middle of a timeline. Like it picks up like, oh, this is this timeline clearly. And it takes a minute to like figure it out. But I guess it works. I don't know. (laughs) It's fun. It does in the end. Like once all the, once it's all explained and all the threads are tied up, you're like, okay, I get it now, but. Yeah. There's a bit in the middle there where I'm like, I'm so confused as to why this is all happening. Right? All right, let's talk about my second favorite death, Tamerlan's death. Miss, I'm going to, you know, embody Justin Timberlake and take a look in the mirror and smash them all to bits. Yeah, that's a a rough way to go. That's why you don't put uh, mirrors on the roof. Who the fuck has a mirror on their ceiling? Like, I know it's a thing, but I don't know anybody who has it. The weird freaky sex couple. Uh, okay, but really, they're beyond weird freaky sex couple. Okay, like they're just fucking strange because they don't even like each other. Nope. She literally does not even like her husband. Nope. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> what? Yeah, I guess with the mirror, she gets all the angles while sitting in the chair. Yeah, I was just, and I love the fact that like it's just she got fucked so psychologically with this shit, like just like having visions while she's talking and. A business presentation was great. Public speaker number one of the year right there. Like, let me promote this product. Oh, wait. And just like belts her um soon-to-be stepmother in the head with shit from the stage. Yeah. What are you doing here? Isn't that what she said? Like, what are you doing here or something? Yeah, she's, doesn't she throw like the mic stand at her? And she's just like, what the f-? Yeah, poor. Also, kudos to poor little Juno, the new mommy. <laughs> Like the new stepmom who's younger than almost all of the fucking children. Mm-hmm. Yes, weird. Best. It's really weird, but I kind of felt bad for her. But I mean, she kind of like owns it at the end, so fuck it. <laughs> um, yeah, Tamerlan's death was pretty legit. <laughs> did Juno die? No, Juno did not die. She inherited the whole fucking company. I was gonna say yeah, so she she were rich now. Yeah, she was an addict too. She was a recovering addict, and then she got addicted to the pharmaceutical drugs. From the Usher Company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Very, um, the opioid epidemic. I can't remember what that company was called now. Oxycontin. Yes. Like. Pretty much what that drug was. Yeah. And it was crazy. T- Without being Oxycontin. I like how, how Roderick kept trying to defend it too. Like, no, she's recovered. She's a recovered addict. Yeah. Because she's fucking addicted to your pain pills now, bro. Like. Yeah. Because she, <laughs> and she tries to get off and he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't take, can't just stop taking it. You'll get real sick. Yeah, like, oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah, because it's an opioid. You have to wean off it. It's like yeah. steroids. You can't just stop them, or your body just goes. Eh. Eh. Yeah, it was crazy. The other fun piece of trivia I found was 
in the episode where Lenore is like scrolling through Netflix to find a movie to watch with her mother, the movie Gerald's Game pops up. Yes, which is another Flanagan film. And features a bunch of actors from this show as well. Yes, specifically Roderick and Verna. Yeah, so I was like, ah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that movie. That was a good movie. I actually really love Jared's, Gerald's Game. And then um, while doing research on this film, I did not realize that he did Doctor Sleep, which is also one of my favorite movies. I think that kicked off his whole like move into the horror realm. Yeah, which was a great move. Um, it, That was, side note, that was a really great movie too. Um, I love The Shining and that was fantastic. So yeah, it was fun. It's fun to see him reuse people that are really good at what they do and they really embody the characters that they get assigned. Yeah, it's a very Scorsese, Tarantino thing. Yes. You have your people, you know that they're good at what they do and they can embody any character you give them. So let's just keep using them. Let's not test out new people and right. see them fuck it up. Yes, 100%. Frederick died in the best way. I loved his death. He deserved every fucking piece of it where he investigates Perry's club that his wife was at and gets <laughs> literally crushed. Bitch, you should probably learn how to clear a demo area <laughs> and not get stuck. To be fair, Verna kind of screws him on that. I don't care. How about you just do things better? <laughs> Knocks him down and then imitates his voice on the radio. Like, yeah, I'm out. That's fine, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not in here anymore. Uh, yes, you fucking are. Uh, he deserved it. Like, I I wish his death had come sooner, but honestly, with the way that they delayed it and, like, the prolonged torture. It made you want it more. Yes, because he literally tormented his wife. Like, yes, yeah, she did a shady shit and she was trying to cheat on him with his brother. But he's much, much younger brother. Younger brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... He really fucked with her hard. Like she, I feel like she suffered enough by just getting melted. But the fact that like he just kept like fucking with her and making her more in pain. Yeah, poisoning the fuck out of her so she couldn't talk. Oh, it was fucking horrible. And then to have your your daughter discover that pretty much and like witness what the fuck you're doing to your mom, like her mom, like that's just, uh he was just an all around shit fucking person. Oh yeah, because that's how they, that's how he gets stuck in there. He mm-hmm. ends up. She tricks him to have the poison that he's giving her, so he's awake but paralyzed. Yeah. As the building crumbles down around him, like sucked in. Yep, fucking great. I loved it. Madeline. Madeline gets killed by her lovely brother, Roderick, because he's an asshole, because she tried killing him first. <laughs> so yeah, that death was pretty pretty legit. Um, it mirrored the way that they tried killing their uh, company's predecessor originally when they bricked him up in the wall, like poisoned him and bricked him up in a wall and left him there to die. That was a funny segment. Yeah, it was like, what's up? Why am I in a hello? Why am I in a brick wall? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> um. So yeah, I feel like it was a justified death. The weird thing about that is when Roderick kind of like mummifies her almost and gives her those like little fucking jewel eye thingies that he bought for her. It was fucking weird. That was weird. Yeah, that was, it was really strange, but I'm glad she died because she was a bitch too, honestly. Like, ugh, I don't like her. My least favorite person that died was Lenore. She did not deserve to die. Like, I get it. She's not sure. And she was like the last of the bloodline technically. So I understand why they had to kill her off, but. Yeah, she was the one like. Good one. Regular person in this whole family that was just like not out for herself. Yeah. And still got screwed. Well, and I appreciate the fact that like she didn't die violently. Like she went very peacefully and quietly because she really didn't deserve to die. Yeah. And I, I did like that they, they left it till after they revealed that like 
everyone in the Usher family has to die. And then you're like, well, she, I guess she's an Usher, but she doesn't act like them. So maybe she's not. And it like, had you second guessing it right up until the very end. And then, mm-hmm. and then you find out she did die. And it's like, oh man. Yeah. That sucks. But yeah, I don't think she died violently, which was good. Yeah. I'm really glad that they did that. Um, and then Roderick gets killed in a very uh, similar way to the way his mother killed her lover, which was rising up from the dead and strangling the bitch to death. And we see Madeline does the same thing. She's in the basement and she kind of just comes up the stairs and strangles him as the house is like getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was a very justifiable kind of way of dying. And then, yeah, Arthur ends up basically taking the fall for all of their shit. Yeah, it was really strange. He ultimately got screwed by it as well. Yeah, and I kind of feel bad for him. Everyone gets screwed over at the end. No one comes out of this ahead. They're all either dead, in prison, or incredibly injured. Juno's the only one who actually makes it anywhere, and I feel like that's because she was an addict that, like, it's kind of like one of those, like, revenge stories of us because she took the money and, like, essentially fucked over the company. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I think she, like, dissolved the company and just, like, allocated the assets elsewhere. Mm. Bravo to her. (laughs) Winning all over. I could go on about this show forever because I fucking love this show, let me tell you. It was was such a well-done show. It came out on October 12th. We're just in time for spooky season, um, which I was really excited about. And I don't know. Like, I feel like this show is – I've suggested this show to so many people – it's ridiculous. Like anytime someone mentions that, I go, no, go watch it. Go watch it. Like stop what you're doing and watch it. Yeah. If you have any passing interest in it, it's definitely worth watching. hundred percent. But yeah, I don't think it has like super broad appeal though. Like if you're not into scary, weird stuff, maybe not. But yeah, like I said, if you have any sort of passing interest in Mike Flanagan's stuff, it's definitely at the upper end of his uh, shows. Yeah. If you're a Flanagan fan, you're going to love it. If you're an Edgar Allan Poe fan, you're going to love it. There's so many references in this show. It's absolutely insane. The All of the characters, for the most part, are named after characters in all the Poe short stories. Except for Rufus. Yeah. His name comes from a real-life rival of Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's cool. Yes, I like that. Also, um, I had one really fun one. There is a scene where they're making ships in a bottle. Uh, Lenore is making a ship in a bottle Mm -hmm. and she suggests a name and that was like the grandpa's name I think is what it was called Um, that's actually the ship that Arthur Pym sails on in the book so it's very interesting that she did that yeah like if you're a hardcore Alan Poe fan you're going to be constantly seeing stuff you're going to be like holy shit what holy crap what Um, also um, there's a scene where they ask for Verna's license when she's getting like investigated or something like that. I think she gets like pulled over maybe. Um, her license says Pamela Clem on it, which was Edgar Allan Poe's wife's name. <laughs> so yeah, there's very, there's a lot of Easter eggs in this. There's a lot of nods to different poems. Um, and in my opinion, it's, it's one of the top shows of the year for me at this point. And that's saying a lot because we've had a lot of stuff come out this year. But for me, this is probably one of the best shows that have come out this year. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what, what direction Mike Flanagan goes now, whether he goes and writes something original again. Like Hill House was an, a totally original story, wasn't it? I think so. I think the concept of it was. I think Midnight Mass was. I think a lot of his have been, right? Gerald's Game was like a Stephen King adaptation. Hill House was based on a 1959 novel by Shirley Jackson. Oh, okay. So maybe they're all like adaptations. So I'd be interested to see like what he adapts 
next, maybe. Yeah, I would like for him to continue on this path of like darker shows, though, because I feel like when he tries to do something a little bit more relaxed, it doesn't work as well. It gets a little lost, I think. And I feel like his following is kind of like expecting this. I would also maybe like to see a movie instead of a miniseries. Like, I love the miniseries, don't get me wrong, but I would like to see another like full length movie of his. Yeah, I guess it's just the Netflix money is probably pretty good. Bly Manor's an adaptation, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass is a fictional novel, oh. which is in one of his movies. Okay. So that's. That that's sounds an original like it's a idea. wholly original story. Yeah. Uh, and Midnight Club is based on a 94 novel. Okay. But Midnight Mass was like the one wholly original story. So I'd be interested to see if he goes back to a wholly original story or if he tries to adapt another random book. You know what I would really love? And I know it's maybe asking for much. I would like him to adapt like H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Because I feel like that would really be like a good vibe for him. Like that's on his level of like weird kind of shit. Except I think the estate of H.P. Lovecraft is pretty strict on what they allow. I'm going to I'm gonna be optimistic because, I don't know, there's been a lot of stuff that has been like really by the book and strict and stuff like that. And they've gotten permission to do things. So I'm going to stay optimistic because I think it'd be great. And also... I watched the HBO series of Lovecraft Country and it was not what I wanted. So I would like to be redeemed for that somehow. It was not good. It wasn't. I went into there and I was like, this is going to be great. I love this kind of shit. And it was not not what I wanted at all. So I think I got like two and a half episodes in. I was like, I'm, nah, I'm done. Yeah. Nope. Not my, not my jam. Anyway. All right. Well, can you do the outro for this one? Because I've been all over the place crazed and shit like that. You still haven't done the ratings yet. Oh, wait, ratings. Well, you already knew my rating and yours doesn't matter because it's my episode and fuck you. Um, wow. <laughs> fuck your opinions. Um, it's the American way of aggressiveness. What can I say? Anyway, yeah, so this is the show of the year for me so far, unless something else comes out in the next two months, which I'm not holding my breath. Um, so yeah, five out of five. If I could give it more, I would. Okay, fair enough. What about you? I gave it a four. Well, that's because you're lame. Only because... I still think Hill House is a better series. Okay. All right. Particularly like storyline wise, I think Hill House is just as strong, Mm -hmm. but I think the production in Hill House was better, particularly I think it's episode six. Okay. Which has the whole, like, I think nearly the whole episode is one shot. Oh, okay. And like that episode blew me away with how incredibly well it was done. It's a shame you missed out on the, the house at Halloween Horror Nights a few years back. Because, yeah, like, there's, there's that scene. I, I think it's m- the majority of the episode, but there's a particularly long scene, like, in the house where it's all one shot and, like, characters are entering rooms and leaving rooms mm-hmm. and coming in a different door and it's like, holy crap. Mind-boggling like, and shit. The amount of choreography and, like, synchronicity to get that to work and not fuck it up and have to start again. Like, obviously there are cuts in it. Yes. But it's filmed so well and so expertly that it, it all comes together as one continuous shot. And you're like, hey, I'm amazed. It's like a 1917. It's all filmed in one shot. Damn. And it's ridiculous. Like, great. I can't imagine doing that, trying to direct that all at once. I cannot imagine. Yeah, it's World War One. It's insane. Like, it's all filmed. That, like, where the cuts are, it's, like, hidden as, like, the camera goes past, like, a door. Mm-hmm. And then that's where they cut it and continue. But it's, like, the amount of work that has to go into storyboarding and planning out anything like that to make it look like one shot is ridiculous. 
Yeah, I can't imagine trying to actually get that to fucking work like that. That seems like um, a lot of fucking effort. It makes for a phenomenal experience watching it if you can do it that way. But it's yeah, it's definitely a lot of work to yeah to have that episode, an episode like that in the haunting of Hill House. That just kind of bumps that that season Flanagan's work to the top for me. Yeah, this one I gave four. It was still very, very well done. Super good. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us on this lovely American Takeover episode of, <laughs> of the Commentary Booth. If you liked the episode, rate, review, and subscribe. If you didn't, my name is Bob, and you definitely like don't know who we are. Anyway, you can follow Jamie um, on social media at Jamie Apps Imperial Magazine. You can follow me on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee. And until next time, have fun. Just you just got my. Twitter handle totally wrong, by the way. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> Get it right. At Jamie Apps Media. Is that right? It is. Okay, cool. See, I told you I'm not good at outro, so you should probably fucking do that. Not me. Have at it. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for watching. Thank you for hosting. Very well done. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was a train wreck. Put put like the graphics of train wrecks all over this fucking thing. <laughs> no, that was fun. <laughs> The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.